Gorgeous George and Goes, are you ready? Junkie Nation, are you ready? Well, let's get it on. From the fight capital of the world, Las Vegas, Nevada, this is MMA Junkie Radio. We roll it! What's going on, Junkie Nation? Gorgeous George and Goes checking in here on a Thursday morning. We got UFC 298 coming up on Saturday. So I think there's lots to talk about in regards to this fabulous fight card in Orange County, California. Of course, I wish I was there. It's where I grew up, but I'm halfway around the world. Goes is close. I don't know if he'll be dipping in at all for anything that's going on during fight week. But regardless, we got you covered here. Not just on Junkie Radio, but MMA Junkie. I've already been going through some of the latest news. We've had a pre-fight press conference, the embeddeds, all that good stuff on our front page. You got to check it out. And, of course, the YouTube channel, youtube.com forward slash MMA Junkie Video. Now, uh, today we'll obviously preview everything that's happening around 298, all the latest news. So, yeah, it's going to be a fun show. Be right back to start things off. So, what do you think goes? You've have you seen the embeddeds? I've seen the last, the first three. I don't think a fourth fourth has dropped just yet. What are your impressions of the the, the fighters that are you know showcased in the top fights? Volkanovski, Toporia, Gary, and Neil, Cejudo, uh, Davalishvili, and, and so on. I think so far, so good. I think everything's on course. Um, to me, of the three cards, this is the one that I'm the most excited for. And wait, wait, wait. Between 298, 300, wait, 298, 299, 300, this is the one? Yeah. There's okay. some just really fun fights that I like on this one. And um, so far, everything seems to be going in the right direction. Everybody's playing their roles, everybody's doing their part. And today, you know, might produce some more craziness. Even Dana has been a little nutty this week. How so? Walking out in the middle of an interview. And then uh, just some of the Connor remarks didn't really sit well with me. Hmm. I saw the first part you're talking about. And I keep thinking after what Cejudo and Albarasin pulled that maybe that was staged. That was just a joke. I mean, Howie Mandel's a pretty respected Entertainer, we'll say, right? Uh, what is that? Comedian, host, um, mm-hmm. now mm-hmm. podcast, you know, Hughes, uh, host. I don't know. I. What do you think? Was that for real? Has there been anything that's fallen out from that on why you did that? I've looked and I haven't really seen an explanation. I imagine we're going to get one today. But that was, I don't know, silly to me. Like, I get if you're just over podcasts and doing shows right now, I understand that. But why would you go as far as driving to however, you know, wherever you needed to go? Hello, how's everybody doing? Sitting down just to walk out 30 seconds. Like I have to imagine he probably got bad news on his phone or something. UFC 300 related, but that's just kind of dumb. I I don't know. Like, I don't get where the joke is. Well, whatever it is, even if that was a joke, what's the joke? 
about a week ago, he said all he likes to do is podcasts. And now he says he doesn't want to do any more podcasts. Like, this is real heckle and jive. Uh, uh, what is it? Dr. Heckle? Hide. Hide, hide, hide and juggle stuff. And I don't know. I, I swear it was during Super Bowl fight week or Super Bowl week that I could have sworn I heard him say, all I like to do now is podcast. Now, what could he have meant? Maybe all he likes to do is MMA podcasts and not kind of pop culture podcasts. Maybe that was it. I, I don't I don't know because I'm positive I, I heard that. And the only other news I can think of is perhaps when he already committed to doing it and drove there or whatever, on the way or before the show began, something must have come through his phone that said, you're not gonna have a good time. They've said this, and then he thought, "Well, I'm already here. Then I'm gonna punk him." I guess that's all I could think of. Yeah, um, it's weird because uh, I would think punking him more would be just not showing up, like no showing him. Or, I don't know because now you've gone through all the trouble of of going there and and doing all that just to do what you did. You could have just not shown up. But he's been kind of weird this week, man. Like, there's that, and then there's uh, his comments towards Connor, and that's kind of like just getting on my nerves. When, where, uh, it just okay. Here's what here's what I'm tired of hearing, George. Connor has a lot of money. He's in a different. He he doesn't need he doesn't need the money. All right, if he doesn't need the money, leave him the fuck alone. Then right, like, quit trying to give him a fight if he doesn't need the money. Every time he says, I want to fight, tell him, why? You don't need the money. To me, like, that's the dumbest excuse ever. I I, I can't stand when he says, you got to ask Connor, you got to ask Connor. Like, no, we don't. We got to ask you because you're the one that runs the show. That's why we ask you. We ask Connor, then they're going to turn around and say, well, why are you listening to Connor? He's not the boss. He doesn't run things here. He's crazy. He's a fighter. Why are you listening to him? We listen to you. You tell us why he won't fight. What the deal is, if he has too much money and he's hard to deal with, then move the fuck on and quit trying to sell us on this fight. But if he's serious about fighting and he wants to fight, then just tell us what the hell is going on so everybody can kind of get past this and we won't have to ask you the question over and over. And when they have asked Connor, he's the one that's saying they've kept me from my livelihood. They've kept me from fighting, competing. Things like that, right? So when you ask Connor, he, they, he puts it on the UFC. When you ask the UFC, it sounds like they want to put it on Connor. Um, that is frustrating for sure. He must get asked that question a lot. You would think there'd be a better answer. But he has done this so well, this job so well for 20 plus years. I don't think you're ever going to change him. And some of even. Some of his replies may even be the the tactic that's involved in putting this fight together. He's always said, Connor and I, he never not honors his contracts. I know he's gone out of his way to say that. So I had a theory. I spoke with some gentleman yesterday who asked me what I thought about it. I think I've said this before. I think that when he got jacked, and then he had to come off performance-enhancing drugs. He has the resources and the money, 
to do his own testing. And in that process, I think the same thing that happened to John Jones is happening with Conor McGregor. Now, I know that's a terrible thing to say without proof. That's why I'm going to use the word speculation. These are just my thoughts. Uh, I'm not pulling them out of my butt because it happened with John Jones. Ninograms, nanograms, picograms, whatever, pulsings. There's something there that I think they're not liking. And so he either has to, well, he has to get that done. And then, of course, because the UFC kind of it runs their own ship a little bit with someone they appointed, eyebrows are going to go up. Not when they, I don't think you saw the, I don't think you could tell them, hey, back off your trips to Ireland and Ibiza and testing a certain individual, if you know what I mean. I, I don't think you could control them. These guys have that type of a reputation with the Olympics primarily and, of course, any of the other athletes they've dealt with. I'm not saying that that's happening with drug sport. For My mind's just running, goes. It's just running with why this is happening. The other idea is just the leg isn't healed. Every time he kicks a bag or something, it hurts like hell and, or something. And, and of course, Connor's never going to say that he's anything less than superhuman. So maybe he puts it back on the organization. I have no idea, man. It is baffling to me. And he alluded to that, you know, the injury. And I get it. And that 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 is a reason why a fight shouldn't go off. But at the same time, you're going to quote Anderson Silva. If you're going to quote Chris Weidman. They didn't put us through what we're being put through here, you know? So, like, I don't know. There's just so much bullshit going on that I'm just sick of it. I'm sick of uh, those silly responses, you know? What was the interview so I can look it up? I think it was with Kevin Ioli was the one that he that produced that, those comments. But then you go back to, you know, earlier in the week, right? Henry Cejudo and, and Captain Eric Albaracin. Yeah. They got us. I mean, no, you didn't get us. Like, this is, guys, I don't know how to explain this to you. It's not a troll job, okay? Like, if I tell George, hey, you're a big Stephen King fan, right? Oh, yeah, 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 yeah. Want to meet him? And I show up with my friend from high school who happens to have the same name, Stephen King, and I go, meet Stephen King. That's a troll job, okay? There are certain things that happen in life we're just kind of out of respect for the people and where you're at. It's difficult to question those things. You know, if I go, if somebody says, how's your mom? And I go, she's dead. And then 30 minutes later, I go, ah, I got you. She's not dead. No, you didn't get us. That's how you have to respond as a human. You don't go, nah, your mom's not dead. You don't do that. You just kind of, there's certain things you don't mess around with. And you have to imagine somebody getting fired like that. Like you kind of, because of who they are, we kind of sit there and go, wait a minute, like this is a little weird, but that's just kind of too fucked up to, to do as a joke. But they did. That's not getting people like that's you're not putting a lot of effort into something, you know, like those aren't troll jobs to me. Those aren't uh, elaborate hoaxes. It's just nonsense. It's silly. And it makes MMA fans the way they are. You know, when people bitch and complain that MMA fans are like this or like that. Well, yeah, because they get put through a lot of nonsense, too. I kind of halfway agree and disagree. I, I agree that they got us, and I agree with the part where it was kind of a, I don't know, a little dirty because, see, they put it out, and it came on Embedded, so it's Junkie's job to report on news, and we did, but yet it kind of seemed like a waste of a lot of people's time. 
But did they get us? They did. It, I just, I don't know. Um, he is the king of cringe. The, the examples they give of Brady and Belichick, they need to do a little more research. But Brady and Belichick did split up, and Brady won without Belichick uh, with the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. And then Jackson and Jordan, they weren't together forever. They split up. Um, so it's not like they went to the death. And, you know, I guess maybe Duncan and Popovich would have been better. But uh, what, they win like five titles together? And, and you know, they didn't have another coach, right? if I'm not mistaken. I believe Pop was along for all of Duncan's ride. Whatever. Um, yeah, it just now going forward, you're going to have to, like, think, are you bullshitting? Are you trolling? What's the deal? And it seems like a waste to do that. I think I think what I would have preferred was if they did it at the beginning of Embedded, right? And mm-hmm. then at the end, ah, we got you. Like, okay, you got us for the eight minutes that the Embedded lasted. But I guess we, or I guess it was Countdown, but not to the point that you, you know, disrupted everything for whatever time it was that you cleared it up. Again, yeah, like Go said, yeah, guess what, man? My my mom passed away. Oh man, thoughts and prayers. She was a great lady. You know, how could this have happened? I'm here for you, you know, and then 24, 72, 48 hours later, man, I was just bullshitting. Like, come on, come on, is all I gotta say. Um, all right. So it does sound like though, Sahudo will retire if he can't be devolished, really. That's mm-hmm. a crowded lineup at Bantamweight. He's getting a little older. I think the wear and tear from wrestling and MMA is real, and I think he limps to the finish line, and by that I mean the fight itself. Once you fight, that adrenaline just it takes you through, you know, and, and I think you put the little nagging injuries aside and you just fight. But if he can't beat Devalish really, I, I wouldn't be surprised to see him take off his gloves. And then he kind of almost says it himself. I can't be number one. I don't want to be in this at all. Uh, the only other thing is, of course, the money. You know, like, that's these are the better paydays towards the end of your career. But, yeah, that guy's addicted to winning, you know. And Aljo's out of the way. The guy that stopped you is out of the way, you know. So can you get back there to beat a guy that, geez, I hate to keep saying this, but O'Malley does look beatable. Yeah. I uh, so This was a topic on Spinning Back Click a couple of weeks ago. And that's just the thing about Henry Cejudo. Like, um, I think a little bit of his, his ego as well. Because let's be honest, even a Henry Cejudo that's lost a step can beat a lot of Bantamweights. Top level Bantamweights. He could probably keep doing that. But I think he kind of sees some of these fighters that don't ride off into the sunset at the correct moment. And we look at them a little differently, right? I, I think he understands kind of like the love that goes to a guy like GSP that you feel like kind of did it right and kind of left on his own terms. And and Henry being such a big name outside of MMA and just wrestling and Olympics, I think he feels like he's got a lot to to protect as well. And I get that. And I think that is a good decision. You know, if you're going to make a little bit more money, but you're going to take some damage, you know, he's got a kid now. Kudos to him. You know, how many times are we sitting here bitching and complaining about fighters not leaving at the right time and and, and looking bad? And we're going to get to one of those soon, too. But uh, 
I actually give him props for doing this. You know, like this is uh I think it's a pretty brave thing to do. And I think it's kind of the right thing to do. Some news before we came on, Aaron Blanchfield and Manon Fioron, they get elevated to the UFC Atlantic City headliner. That was supposed to be Vicente Luque fighting uh, Sean Brady. That fight uh, fell apart, I guess you can say. It was scrapped. And so now these two young ladies who are basically either 1-2 or 1-A and 1-B, whatever you want to call it, well, obviously, Valentina Shevchenko is the number one contender to Alexa Grasso, but they're they're going to fight. So now these two, I would imagine, fight the winner of Shevchenko and – what am I saying here? I guess it's not guaranteed, huh? Because Grasso beat Shevchenko. Oh, they drew. They drew, right? One they win, drew one Yeah, okay. I thought, well, hold on a second. This is crazy. Okay, yeah. So they're probably going to fight a third time. But then what's taking so long for Grasso and Shevchenko um, to at least get announced in some sort of fashion? Or or does the winner of this one, if she looks great, grabs the mic and has a moment, is it too hard to pass that up? I I don't know. Yeah, I think so. I think that's the deal. Um, You know, luckily it it was elevated with enough time where you don't feel like a fight that's supposed to be three rounds is now five and – you know, are these athletes prepared for that? It seems like they have plenty of time to do that. And I think, I actually think this is going to be a really good fight. But the rest of the card, man, it is just not up to par with what we're used to. Uh, who knows? Maybe it's one of those that surprises us. But we just had one of those that didn't. So hopefully uh, something gets done. You know, the matchmakers themselves, what are you going to do? You know, a fight falls off, that's just shit happens. But uh, this particular card doesn't really look that great. Yeah, I'm looking right now as you're speaking, and I don't see Valentina yet booked on an actual fight date. Like, we already know that after 300, we have the fight. It sounds like the UFC is going to Brazil, and that's where they could possibly be using the um, Pajeda, you know, Pajeda and some of the Brazilian stars, I guess. They have a a, a pay-per-view, I think, headed towards Brazil. So that wouldn't fall under Grasso and Shevchenko. And obviously, Grasso's not going to fight in time to defend on this, what is it, next week, I think, UFC Mexico. Otherwise, they would have booked her for that. So, yeah, this is weird. Um, They do have a a draw and a win. They'll probably fight a third time. If that one's some sort of a classic and Shevchenko wins, I wonder if it's too hard to pass up on a fourth one for them. I, I imagine it would be, but... The I don't crazy think they're doing it right away. Sport is beyond me. What? I don't think they're doing it right away. The the rematch, another rematch. So Grasso might be fighting the winner of this fight. I think so. But why isn't Shishenko taking a fight? They they fought in September. We're already what in February, but we're already planning out through April. I think. I don't know. Huh? She's having a time of her life in Thailand. Do you follow her on social media? Yeah, so she's very, um, you got to know her to understand her. And so to us, well, maybe not us, but to a lot of people, it looks like this girl's just on the vacation of a lifetime. But when she is not taking pictures on a beach, she's training, you know? So she's either eating, training, or on a beach or shooting guns or something. But um, <laughs> but yeah, don't don't get it. 
twisted. Like, you know, she looks like she's having a lot of fun, but that, that girl is always preparing herself. So I think there's probably more of that. Um, but yeah, she, she, some of the places she's taken some pictures at just, just beautiful places on earth. She does love herself some guns. 301 is headed to Rio de Janeiro, Brazil on May 4th. 302 is headed to New York, New Jersey on June 1st. And of course, on June 29th is UFC 303. And that will be International Fight Week, which is where McGregor and Chandler was supposed to possibly take place. But of course, they got Riyadh, Saudi Arabia on June 22nd, even though it's a fight night. Dana has said they want to come strong for that. I don't know. Uh, but regardless, going back to Blanchfield and Manon Fioron. That's a big, big fight. They either get the winner of Grasso and Shoshenko, if Grasso and Shoshenko are going to tangle for a third time, or they just get Grasso, I guess, the winner. But they've mm-hmm. been elevated. Brady and Luke is off. Yeah, and I have to imagine, too, like that was probably part of that negotiation, I'm thinking, if if um, with either one of those teams. I, I would definitely be be put, uh, putting in that stipulation. I, I think that's what's going to happen. It's a good fight. It's very close. Uh, I don't know what the odds are, but I would have them pretty damn close at, at a pick them. Blanchfield, usually they lean towards the grapplers, so I would see Blanchfield as a favorite, but I'm going to look it up. I actually happen to have the window open, uh, so it'll just take me a second here. Let's see. When, when's that event taking place? And it's Let's see. The 25th? No, that's the one in Mexico. March 3rd, nope, I don't have odds there. March 10th, that's UFC 299. March 16th, is this one it? No, I guess I could just look at the story. The 13th. When is this damn fight? The Manoferov and... March 30th, March 30th. All right, let me now let me look back. Because I have all the odds here. Oh, okay. They go through March 24th, and then they start skipping around a little bit to just... Yeah, I I can't find the odds. Sorry about that. I was hoping to be able to answer that question, because I was in March. I got March 2nd odds, March 9th or 10th cards odds. That's the UFC pay-per-view. March 16th, March 24th, but there's no March 30th, and then it jumps to April 13th, which is UFC 300. So I don't have Manon Fioron and and uh, Blanchfield, but let it be known, I think Blanchfield minus one fifty or minus two hundred. Really? That's, that's my guess. Yeah. I'm gonna say no more than minus one seventy five. Yeah. All right. We'll see. Any thoughts on Embedded's? Uh, Ian Gary finally found a gym that he says it sounds like he wants to call that gym home for life. It sounds like he's moved to Brazil. His wife is Brazilian. You know, that guy was with what combat, not combat, um, kill cliff. Then he went, tried to go to Nottingham, I guess, where Leon Edwards is at things didn't go well there. He's just kind of been a little bit of a gypsy, but now he seems pretty welcomed at Shootbox. with Ian Gary. I feel like, so far, because we've all been kind of curious, like, what, what is it going to be like when he has to answer questions? And I think he's done a great job so far answering questions from the media. 
I think his responses, uh, you know, I don't agree with them all, but I think he's done a good job to kind of recuperate a little bit. What I'm more curious about is when people are in front of him taking shots directly at his face, how he's going to respond to that. That's going to be a little bit more interesting, I think. But uh, I don't care how good you are as a fighter. I just think all this having to move around and all that, it just can't be good for your fight career. Like, whatever. Even if he comes in and he mops the floor with Jeff Neal, I feel like uh, whatever he did, he probably could have done better had he not had all these distractions in his life, which he kind of created for himself. You know, he has moments there with his little boy where you're like, ah, all right, I kind of like this guy. You know, he really, really digs his kid. The wife's kind of been a little secondary. Like, she, they showed her on the first Embedded. She's been a little behind the scenes, not like that imposing figure that a lot of YouTubers make her out to be, all the people that have heaped a lot of hate on them, right? Mm-hmm. And she, used to, she used to, I guess, wrote a, a book on how to become a wag, which is a term for wives and girlfriends, mostly used in uh, the soccer world, right? So I guess how to latch on to an athlete is what it sounds like to me. Uh, and, and she did, and she's like 10 years is, you know, older than he is. Pretty, pretty lady, you know, but um, I don't know too much about her, but she does seem to kind of really really hover over him like there's they've shown the i've told you about a few youtubers that i just you get caught in these cycles and the next thing you know eh, all right i'll subscribe that happened to me with red pill mma and mma guru mm-hmm. and they and that jesse on fire guy and and so they um kind of brought up different things you know regarding ian gary especially the red pill guy comes at him all the time. And so he would show how Ian would be doing an interview and then you'd have to look over and the wife would almost like advise on how to answer. And so she was very, very like controlling. Now that along with Ian's, you know, tactics of, you know, making Neil Magny look bad. Like he might possibly beat his kids more than just a spanking. And, uh, the mugshot t-shirt with Jeff Neal, you know, like Jeff Neal was telling a story. I guess he was on the Jackson podcast and he said, this guy told me, Hey, have a safe camp. Well, you know, let's have a good fight. And the next thing you know, he's doing this mugshot thing. So Jeff Neal was like, no, man, that ain't cool. I don't play that. You're right. I can't wait to see the press conference just to see how everything's going to pop off. I love that stuff. I really do. But geez, man, there's so many ways to talk trash without actually being a jerk yeah and so as if he doesn't have enough problems already you know he's calling out sean strickland who isn't the most stable of individuals uh so we're gonna see man we'll see how all this plays out for him but the kid it's there's no doubting it he's got talent he seems like he could be a great fighter but i just feel like he makes his life a little bit more difficult than it needs to be Hmm. yeah i uh they're two different weight classes. Strickland used to be a welterweight, but he became a middleweight and a middleweight champion. So I don't know what Gary's talking about, if he wants to move up for one fight or not. Or if he's talking about when I see you on the streets, who, who knows? Conor McGregor really did have a giant effect on our game. You know, if you look at 
if you look at some of the people when we do these Mount Rushmores of, of mixed martial arts, you look at a guy like Anderson Silva, a guy like GSP, right? Uh, even Fanor Emelianenko, if you want to throw them in there. They're such a different breed, and they accomplished so much, and they did it without really having to, to talk shit and get in people's faces and create headlines. and all. They just did it fighting, man. That's where all of their attention went to fighting. And I think that's why they were so successful. In football, I always say, if you're going to get a quarterback, if you're going to draft a quarterback, there are the exceptions. But for me, give me a guy that went four years to college. They seem to kind of have a great head on their shoulder, and it kind of tells you where their uh, where their souls are, what, what it is that they want out of life. And granted, there's you know you got your LeBron James and Kobe Bryant's of the world that just completely skip it because they're just naturally that good. But there's not that many of them. And I think a guy like Ian Gary, probably if you had to, to look at it more, I think he's following more of a Connor guideline, you know, as opposed to some other fighters that you could say, all right, maybe this guy's more going in this lineage. But uh, times are different, man. They, they really are. And sometimes this job, when you're sitting here, week after week talking about what this guy did and what that guy did. Uh, we really get away from the fact that we have a tremendous card this weekend. You know, you look at an Alexander Volkanovsky and Ilya Tapuria, like it doesn't get any better than that, man. It really doesn't. And those are kind of like two guys that I think uh, follow the other, you know, where they just put everything they have into their own careers. Alex likes to have fun. That thing, I don't know if you saw that video. That was hilarious. The one on his age. That was a no. I haven't. It's sad. I haven't because I've had a ever since Super Bowl. I fell behind. Right, a few things between you know preparing for spinning back click, doing the rankings, Super Bowl. Not just the game itself, but I uh, remember the the thing we did for our uncle. So it's like I'm a few days behind. And today, the reason I'm able to do this show at this time with you, you and I had planned to do it a little bit later is because I skipped mom's physical therapy. This is the first time I've skipped her physical therapy because I told her I'm really behind. We got a few things going on. And so this, you know, she's got her nurse, the physical therapist greets her at the door and all. Anyway, so I, I'm behind a little bit, but that's one of the things I wanted to check out. I want to check out that. I want to see what Dane has been saying, why he may have punked, uh, what's his face? Howie Mandel's podcast. You know, I, I've caught up on the three embeddeds. So, yeah, folks goes hosting a watch along on Saturday, 8 p.m. Eastern, 5 p.m. Pacific, just like we have for the past few years, 10 p.m. Eastern and 7 p.m. Pacific. Well, that's when the main card starts, and that's the part you got to pay for in certain countries. And if you choose not to, we'll be your eyes and ears, and we'll tell you exactly what's happening in real time. Uh, our host, sorry, our colleague, Farah Hanoon, will host a preview show at 5 p.m. Eastern, 2 p.m. Pacific, they'll kind of, I say they because she always has either another junkie or someone on there to kind of unpack the latest stories, the weigh-ins, you know, anything that, that's happening all the way up to fight, fight day because right as they finish their show, that's usually when the uh, early prelims go. So Saturday, if you see all that, that's what that's about. And she's going to have uh, Danny Segura with her for this one. Okay. Um, going back to Gary just for a second, and then we'll finish with this guy. He said, I got zero regrets for making the T-shirt with Jeff Neal's mugshot on it. 
Mm-hmm. Okay. You're right. It's not the worst thing in the world, I guess. He kind of just basically took advantage of someone's one of someone's worst moments. But again, don't get mad when people come at you. And he does te- tend to get mad a little bit. Perhaps he's right. Like maybe some people are crossing the line and having to go with the wife or whatever. He's saying, hey, I just did a t-shirt. Come at me all you want. Sure. But there really are no rules to trash talk or to a street fight or anything like that. You can't get mad if someone pulls a knife on you. You're on the streets. Right. You didn't agree to anything, you know? So, like, anything can go down there. When it comes to trash talk, especially in the UFC, they don't tell you, hey, leave the wives alone, leave the kids alone. No, anything can happen. And um, I would just say, like, I mean, I okay, if that's a stance, I have zero regrets, cool. But he gives off this vibe, like, like um, I'm always in the right, but how dare them when it happens, has, when he's on the receiving end? Yeah, look at Colby Covington, right? When he got hit with the boomerang or whatever, like that's just the game you play, man. Like when Jorge Masvidal gets you at a restaurant, like that's that's what happens when you when you say the things that you say. You know, you can't be surprised about it. Nobody's saying you can't do it, but there's just kind of repercussions to everything, and you have to weigh it out. You have to weigh it out, not just as don't be selfish. It's not all about you because we're in a day and age where these things affect your family too you know you got kids your kids go to school your kids are going to get teased at school like there's really a lot to think about when you're playing these games that i don't know that fighters uh 100 take into consideration you know like how many how many people are just waiting at your kid's school to make fun of you when your dad finally gets beat up or something like i don't know man just fucking just go out there and be a good fighter Go out there and mop the floor with someone. There's, you, there's no way you're going to get more respect than when you go in there and you do that. Does he come off as douchey to you? Ian Gary? Yeah. <sighs> Maybe a little. When it's, The problem with Ian Gary is this. There's times where I really enjoy him. Like I, I'm glad he's there. I think he's funny. Uh, he's charismatic. So I think I just get a little mad when he goes the other way because there are times where you're like, Man, you could have just pulled it off. Like you could have, you could have been the, the the perfect guest in the house, right? And then mm-hmm. you went and you overflowed the toilet or something for no reason. Like um, he just doesn't have a good balance, I think, of things. He he could have been very very likable. Yeah, I. It, it's weird. I when he came along, I thought, oh, cool, another fresh face at 170. He likes to talk some smack. Cool, you know, like. Run your smack. I get it. But, man, there's every time I pop online, there's just something going off with this guy. It's all over the place. Of course, I can just swipe or move to the next thing. But in a way, he kind of pulls me in. And I think some of it is just the same way we say Cejudo's cringy. Well, mm-hmm. this guy is kind of douchey. But he can fight. He damn well can fight. That's for sure. However, after everything has been said and done, I just think that Costa and Cejudo uh, Whitaker is going to be fantastic. And I'll tell you why. Costa, he has had too many instances. Well, remember he had the the uh, issue with the skin infection. And he's had these fights that get booked. And then I never signed anything. And then, you know, I had to pull out because I had, you know, 
whatever problems, the UFC wouldn't clear me. And I get well, was it officially staff? I think that's what it was. Yeah. Anyway, um, he knows that he's kind of gotten lost in the shuffle. This was the guy that was undefeated, could go to the body, and then he had a horrible fight against Israel Adesanya. And then the comeback, we're all waiting, right? We're all waiting for the comeback. The secret Jews, he's pretty funny. He gives you just enough where you don't go, he's cringy or he's douchey. He's just entertaining. And then Whitaker, he basically would beat up everyone who wasn't Israel Adesanya. And then mm -hmm. DDP did a number on him. So I think he's thinking, okay, I got to right the ship. And I think both of these guys, for different reasons, are going to come in in outstanding shape. I hope that either guy can clip. And so this thing could end early. But I really hope goes that this fight goes almost three rounds and there's a finish. I think for however long it lasts, it's going to be pretty tremendous. But I could see it ending uh, very early. If it goes three rounds, Costa, man, is always the question, you know, what he's going to look like because of how big of a output he has. And you got a Robert Whitaker that's just been there, done that. He's just so consistent. You know what you're going to get with him. But that, like, again, that's why I love this card. I, I just think there's so many of these great fights. Paulo Costa is hilarious, dude. I love, I love having him around. He cracks me up. I just wish he could be a little bit more consistent in his game and, and rack up uh, wins more consistently. But uh, that division's popping, dude. And now Israel Adesanya is kind of, or Eugene Berriman saying Izzy's kind of done with the hiatus. You know, he, he's going to be back. So uh, it's just weird how these divisions, at one point, you're kind of kind of looking at them going, eh. And then just a couple years later, it's popping. Yeah, I fully agree. I mean, you said it. You nailed it. All right, here's something I don't agree with. Bigfoot Silva, ready to fight fellow UFC alum in double unretirement fight. I shiver at the thought every time this guy fights. He has just taken so many horrific KOs, but he keeps getting booked, and I'm sure it has to do with the fact that he's, fight, he's 44 years old, by the way, now. He probably just either didn't save money well or has no other talent or skill or just doesn't want to work. I don't know, but it, it this is one of the scarier ones of guys that are just uh, and and by the way, Al Strovering was starting to scare me at times as well. But I think he he pulled out at the right time because he had KOs in kickboxing and in MMA. But man, like this guy's coming out, he wants to do it against Juan Espino, and uh, it's it's at the Canary Islands in Spain. I mean, doesn't that almost sound like it's not even regulated? No, that uh, so we don't have very many uh, details as far as what rule sets are going to be put in place. But even then, like he just has no business in competition right now. I want to say he's lost the last eleven, and I think nine of them were KOs. Like people, I know that we're watching a sport, and to us at times it's almost like a video game with video game characters in it. But a KO means your brain got shut off nine times. Like, why would you even mess around with something like that? I think after a couple, you're like, ah, I want to be able to to think and do all these things and talk and, and be fine later on in life. This dude retired for like a month 
and he's back, and he's fighting a guy that's younger than him, a guy that's pretty heavy-handed. You know what I mean? It's not like uh, he's fighting a jiu-jitsu expert or something like that. Like This has bad news written all over it, and I, and I don't understand because it just seems like I think this is just going to be par for the course with this guy. He's basically telling you, I'm going to keep going until I cannot physically do it anymore. And that's not right, you know, because there are, uh, you want to get ahead of it. You want to retire so that you don't get to that. Like, why wait till that moment where something tragically happens in your life? You can't walk no more. Uh, You can't talk no more. Why wait till that to make that decision? Other people have already gone through that and they've shown you this is what happens. Listen to that. Look at the people that came before you. Look at some of the boxers. Um, if, if you ever see, there's a, a, I think it's a Mike Tyson thing where they kind of go through all of the guys that have fought Mike Tyson and they give an account of how they felt going into the fight and after the fight. And they're a little bit older now. They're all fucked up, dude. They're all messed up. And I'm not saying Mike Tyson did that, but it's just the sport. You cannot take that much punishment. So it's not like it's surprise, Bigfoot. Look what happened. You know, like he's not going to be shocked. He knows that these are the consequences. Why are you doing this to yourself? Why? Even if you go out there and you win, it doesn't mean you made the right decision. You're just waiting until something really bad happens. And that's unfair to your family. It's unfair to you. That's going to fuck up our sport a little bit, maybe, even though it's it's not like it's in one of the major organizations. But it's just bad, man. It, this guy must not have anybody around him that loves him, because if, if he did, they would grab him and handcuff him and not let him fight because it's absurd. I, I I hate to say it, but like sometimes it just scares me that he could die in that ring or cage. 100%. Not, not even just the CTE that could be waiting for him. You know, we know it is pugilistic dementia back in the days of boxing, but we've learned so much and yet homie keeps going back. And it's like, you know, I, I would have thought that a couple KOs, in your later years, that's it. But let's just say you kept going back. You needed the money. I don't know. There's got to be this number where it's like five straight. No one should allow this to be, you know, to allow it to even happen. Like, how does it even get cleared? They, they must not have uh, regulations. And we keep talking about Ila Teporia. He even said it. I want to fight at the Bernabeu which is where Real Madrid play. I want to fight Conor McGregor in a stadium at the Bernabeu. Oh, okay, well, what's what's the situation like in Spain? You know, how do you guys regulate mixed martial arts? Because the Canary Islands fa- falls under Spain. How's this happening? You know, like, like you guys are on a learning curve thanks to Mark Ratner and the UFC and everything, you know, that's happened in our country in getting this thing forward in all of our states. I think all or most of the provinces in Canada – other countries that have done very well, you know, and keeping the athletes safe. But Jesus, there are a few parts in the world. You know, when you, you ever watch like YouTube, you just go in a, down a rabbit hole and then you realize that there's, if you go to Papua New Guinea, yes, there's some cities I think where there's civilizations. But then if you take a, a turn and head towards an island, people are shooting arrows at you. Like they, they just don't want anyone even you know, coming remotely close. They don't even know what normal humanity, I guess, is. Same with some tribes in the Amazon, you know. Um, that's what that feels like to me when I read something like that. Like, you know, 
There's, uh, there's so many other heavy. Like, call Roy Nelson. He's taking a few, but you know, like maybe he might fight. But Bigfoot, like I, I could have sworn he had kids and everything. I mean, yeah, dude. Like I, I actually saw. Uh, I was on YouTube too. It was a podcast with a guy that they were interviewing who, who has been around some of those tribes. And he was like, dude, you do not mess with them because they shoot first and ask questions later. And he was, I guess we're going to take this in a completely different direction, but I found it fascinating. But he was with another guy and a woman. Okay, was this Papua New Guinea, Brazil, or do you remember any details, the names, or anything like that? I want to say it was Amazon. And what they did was the guy went ahead, not even that far, you know, like maybe less than 100 yards to kind of get off the boat and set up a camp on the beach. And while he was doing that and they were kind of going towards him, these guys just came out of nowhere, arrows, and the wife went running, and but they got the guy, and they said they had to physically sit there and watch, and they go, they didn't, like, grab him and restrain him because they literally tore him apart to find out, like, how he ticks, you know, what's inside of him, why is he so different? Like, they're not used to being around people. And he goes, then I had to watch this, his wife had to watch this happen, you know, and that these are just parts of the world that are just way different you know they're, they're not used to any you get killed yeah you got like literally ripped apart like they just oh all that yeah because because these are people that they don't know what what people are boats and all this shit like and on one of them uh on another trip he was being chased by those people and he, he said i didn't fucking stop forever because i just kept going and going until i couldn't go anymore just assuming oh, they were on a boat uh, I think he was on a raft. He saw one like across the river, you know, and the guy had the arrow pointing at him. And he said he just jumped on the raft and just kept going. His food got all wet and everything. But he was like, I'm not I'm literally not going to stop until I can't go no more because they could be right behind me. You know, it was crazy. Yeah. I'll send you the link. He, it was he was very interesting the way he was talking. Uh, it seemed like he knew a lot. And how he ended up in that type of job, but that uh, was it was fascinating. That's crazy. Anyway, um, yeah, I guess the fight's book and it's happening. But geez, it feels so dirty. It does. To, like even hit the story. Who's he fighting? Where's it at? All right, I guess we got to talk about it. But I'm just hoping like a future promoter hears our show or something. And when they go, well, we, we could bring you Bigfoot, and he just goes, yeah, you know what? This ain't going to go over well. You know, like people just need to stop booking him mm-hmm. uh, for starters because he's just not saying no to anything. And anyone that says you're taking away from his livelihood, you know, well, fuck. I mean, what's the livelihood? I, I think the, the science is there that says there ain't going to be much of a livelihood. He's not going to have great years, you know. Of retirement or anything like that because of like ghost said 11 straight losses and nine ko's come on it's too much it's way way too much i mean sometimes you have to kind of take yourself out of the equation like kind of make things more to things you understand imagine being in nine car crashes like don't you have friends that have been in one car crash and for the rest of their lives they can't turn their neck 
one way a little bit, or they have a hunch or some nine of those nine car wrecks picture being in that. And then somebody says, Hey, you want, you, you want to go uh, speeding on the freeway? Like, wouldn't you go? No, you fucking maniac. I barely lived through nine. I'm not going to do this again. And mm. he's, he's saying, let's do it. Let's go. Like, that's just disrespecting death, dude. Yeah. Uh, all right. It was funny reading an article about Ilya Taporia. He was on the MMA Hour, and he's and he says, "Man, I I respect everyone. I just don't respect Ilya Taporia." Ilya Taporia, of course, said, "If he wins, or when he wins, he will not fight Yair Rodriguez, Max Holloway, or Brian Ortega." Which I thought was silly. Um, but yeah, like it just seems like the others are starting to lash out a little bit. I I think Toporia is going to be a heel. I think Volkanovski is so beloved, but I think he'll be a heel even amongst feather fellow featherweights. Yeah, no matter who you are, man, you got to slow down at some point. That's going to happen to Alexander Volkanovski if it didn't already. I don't feel like he did. I just feel like the moment of his last fight wasn't good. It wasn't optimal for a good performance. But eventually, you're going to slow down. It happens to everybody. Is this that time when it, when a younger cat like Taporia catches you? Maybe. Or maybe not. Maybe Alexander Volkanovsky just proves to all of us again that we're doubting him for no reason. He is great. That's what I love about this fight. Look at the odds. Look how close the odds are. Uh, but I, I don't care who you are. You can't get me to, in the featherweight division, you can't get me to pick against Volkanovsky ever again. Me neither. And even though he's coming off a vicious KO about four months ago, um, I'll still ride with him. I find him to be pretty intel- intellectual. He, I don't think he drank, you know, leading up to this camp or anything like, that, anything like that. I think he just got caught slipping. The money was probably good, which, again, feels also kind of dirty. But I bet you they didn't want to go with Gamron, so they went with Volkanovski. They probably paid him more than he could ever make, I guess by making it a last-minute fight that you can't blame him for refusing it. But at the same time, they're, you know, thank you. Jump on that plane, you know, with with the concussion all the way back home. Will you take other punches in the future in your own weight class where your champ as good ever again? Maybe, maybe not. I don't know. Uh, GSP held, his chin held up nicely a lot of times, but we would always, you know, wince a little bit every time after Matt Sarah put him out. He mm-hmm. felt like he couldn't, but, you know, he took some kicks, that kick up the head by Condit, like, you know, the hard-hitting Johnny Hendricks. He survived all that. But what I did want to say was I just caught myself, I guess in a way, some featherweights probably would want him to win. Because, see, Ortega's got a loss to Volkanovski. He's probably not going to get another title shot unless Volkanovski's out the way. And Max Holloway for sure. Even though he's got Gagey at 155 pounds for BMF, you know, things could open up if Volkanovsky were to lose horrifically to Ilya Taporia to the point where, you know, he either moves up or has to take some time off. Well, that's when Max Holloway could step in. But I still find it bizarre that Taporia even said all that. Yeah, it is weird because, you know, I don't know that there's anybody that really can control those types of things. If you're not going to fight them, then who the hell are you going to fight? And who are you? And they're all big games. They sell well and they fight well. Who are you with with uh, zero title defenses to be telling the matchmakers and Dana White who you're fighting and who you're not? It's just not how it, how it plays out. 
But I kind of like the kid. I love the way he fights, and I wouldn't be shocked if he won. I just can't pick against Volk anymore. Well, the thing is, when you defend, you get your pay-per-view points, and you'll get more pay-per-view points if you sell more pay-per-views. And you usually sell more pay-per-views against guys like Max Holloway, uh, Yair Rodriguez, Brian Ortega. So his strategy just seems so terrible. But I'll tell you what. When Goz and I do the watch-along, we obviously you know talk about the fights that are happening, but we do have some time to kill. I'm going to make a note here, and I, I'm going to watch – some of the pre-fight uh, interviews that they did. Maybe Taporia got asked about this, and maybe he cleared things up. I don't know. Because, like I said, I ran behind by about a day. I'm still on a Super Bowl hangover, and um, I can't imagine he didn't get asked about this. Or maybe he won't today. But because we won't talk to you till Monday, and Monday will be mostly results-based, then uh, we'll make sure we set some time aside uh, during the watch along, 8 p.m. Eastern, 5 p.m. Pacific for the featured prelims, 10 p.m. Eastern, 7 p.m. Pacific for the main card, which is the pay per view. And if you choose not to pay for it, if you're in a country where you got to, we'll tell you what's happening in real time. So tune in. And our colleague, she'll get the party started at 5 p.m. Eastern, 2 p.m. Pacific with a preview show along with Danny Segura. Do we already know who's on next week's spinning back like us? No, uh, probably tomorrow. I think is when we'll we'll find that out. Aha! Uh-huh, I think I got it right here. Yeah. Oh no 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 no! This is this is this week's schedule. I imagine I Mike Bond will probably be one because he was he'll be there, right? So yeah. Okay, sorry. I thought they had already released the schedule for next week, and that usually tells us who's on the show. But noon Eastern, nine a.m. Pacific. That's our live show. Spinning back click. It's also a podcast, so you can catch it here on Omni or the other places like Google Podcasts, Apple Podcasts, Stitcher, and Spotify. You can catch it live, noon Eastern, 9 a.m. Pacific, on YouTube or Facebook. And you can be a part of the show by chatting along, asking questions, leaving comments. And lastly, when the show's already done, you can catch, catch it in its entirety. So if you missed part of it, half of it, all of it, whatever, youtube.com forward slash MMA Junkie Video. Just go there and you can watch it. Literally, as soon as the show's done, the video is uploaded. You'll see a lot of stuff that comes out of it across social medias, but they may just be a segment that could be 5 to 15 minutes long. The whole show is about an hour long. All right, guys. We'll wait to see what your staff picks are tomorrow. You have any final thoughts on the great UFC 298 card? Are you dipping, you dropping down to the OC for anything? No, I'm trying to actually figure out what my schedule is going to be like. Uh, I don't know. Yeah, I don't know. Okay. Who's in town to cover it? I know Simon Samano's handling a few things, but did I see a Nolan King? I think it might be in town. No, I think Mike Bond is and Kenny. Ah, okay. So we got you covered, folks. We got feet on the ground for that. And, of course, we'll do the watch along. The rest of the staff will be in support. So keep it locked on MMA Junkie throughout the weekend for the best coverage of UFC 298. We'll see you guys on Saturday at 8 p.m. Eastern, 5 p.m. Pacific. That's when the watch along starts. We'll catch you again for the Sunday night, early Monday show. Usually it'll probably be Sunday night because we'll be – and see to talk about all the results. And then, of course, 
like George said, it's gonna be uh it's gonna be a fun one. So we'll see. But uh your support, we really, really appreciate it. Especially with spinning back click. It seems like it's starting to to blow up a little bit. Look, if you like me and George, if you're listening to the show, we're half of the equation. We're there every week. So hopefully you guys uh show up and give that show a try. But uh we'll see you guys on Saturday for the big pay-per-view. And until then, be champions. <laughs>